Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I'm recording right now. Don't so, brag. I mean, I'm not trying to brag, but... Dear readers, um, so we don't normally start like this, but I have a bone to pick. With Winnie, the Pooh. with Winnie the fucking Pooh. I was just reading Koa a couple books. I read All the Places You're Go You'll Go. That's all a the... nice book, isn't it? You know what? I needed to hear it today. It was to you. Did you because I was reading it, I told Quinn, I'm feeling a little down. I'm feeling a little blech. And I'm feeling really single. <laughs> Alone? Yeah, I think it's the Party hol- for one. Party for one. I think it's I think it's that like when you're single, you either are with people you love, your friends, your family, like this, and you have, like, this amazing, like, like coming here. It's just, like, a warm family vibe. It's wonderful. And then when you go home, you're just alone. <laughs> Cheers. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm looking. I'm literally, Carrie's talking to me about something very sensitive, and I'm licking the inside of my eggnog glass to make sure there's not possibly any eggnog that should get left behind. Well, no child left behind, no carry left behind, no eggnog left behind. That's our motto, folks. And that's our motto. But um, but I, I get think... what you're saying. I feel like you're saying that you have a really full, rich life and that some nights when you arrive home alone, that's the part that you're like, well, I wish this part was different, though. Yeah, well... I miss having a partner, that's for sure. And I am going through what I like to call the last of the breakups. I think this is it. I really do think this breakup is going to stick with this person. Did I tell you my therapist was really fucking hard on me the other day, week? Did I tell you that? No. I had a therapy session with my amazing therapist, and I adore her. And she's not really hard on me, ever. Like, she's... Her her whole thing is... I don't give advice. She'll point out connections in my life or things like that. And she was harder this week on me than she ever has been. At one point I was like, you know, I miss, I miss this person. I'm feeling really sad. I miss this person. And at that point she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what do you miss? Talk to me. She's like, cause I, do you like, what is it? Cause the, the relationship had a lot of problems. The relationship wasn't fulfilling it wasn't an easy relationship it was it was a it was a challenge and she kind of called me out on this missing energy that I had of this person um and sort of held me to task and been like all right when you feel like you're missing this person imagine what it was like 12 hours with them and that changed something with me because she's like 12 hours is a reasonable time to be with someone well 
if it's a relationship, it's not even. You should still be in the honeymoon phase at 12 hours if you're thinking, you know what I mean? Totally. And I think, and I don't want to like out this person because, you know, I think he did the best he could. You know, I, I really don't have, listen, there's anger, sure. There's, you know, frustration, but I don't think he's a bad person, right? I don't. Mm-hmm. I just think he couldn't give me what I deserved or wanted. And big emphasis on the deserve, right? Um, But he was so in his head that it was 12 hours would be really tough. Mm -hmm. And it was, and that was really valuable for her to tell me that. Being like, don't, you might miss the first hour of being with this person, that like romantic love, but 12 hours and it was tough. Anyway. I really think that when you find your person, that's going to be so evident that I like looking forward to that euphoric breakthrough where you're like, Oh my God, where it's easy. Oh my God. I can't imagine that like the, the way this person treats me and the way they make me feel about myself and what they add to my life. I can't believe I ever thought I could even consider the other less than this. Yeah. So I'm, but I'm, you know, I think the holidays are a thing and, you know, nostalgia and, you know, it's a melancholy time. I mean, it's 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 one of my favorite seasons. It makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. But I think in that way, too, it makes me feel really lonely. Yeah. And I've also been drinking a lot this week, which I think the emotional hangover of it is totally. like a very real thing, too. Oh, completely. Yeah. Completely. I think... Um... Just walking down the street and having all the Christmas lights and stuff. It Mm. gives you the same feeling that you're, like, in a movie that you get when you're, like, on a train or on a plane. So it gives you that... Oh, my God, that's so funny. Like, the fake soundtrack is playing in your head. So you start to feel, like, really connected emotionally because you're like, there's music in the background. What's my movie? Like... Totally. And I've been listening to a lot of sad songs lately, which has actually been really wonderful Because sometimes, you know, I think for me in the past, I want to run away from my feelings and not feel sad. And I think the only way to get through sadness is just that, is to get through it. It's Mm -hmm. not to avoid it. So feeling sad is normal and natural. And, you know, anyway, so I was reading all the places you'll go. And there's moments in that book that's like, you're going to be alone. You're going to have hard times, but just keep going. You'll get through it. Which that that spoke to me. And then I read Winnie the Pooh meets Gopher. And it's about Winnie the Pooh visiting his friend Rabbit and eating too much honey and then getting stuck in a hole. And I got to tell you, <clears throat> there was this moment I had where it was this light bulb moment that I was like, this is why we have unhealthy relationships with food as a society as a fucking world i hate that story and they were like and they call him they're like you need to stop eating so you get thin oh yeah his friends and rabbits like you're not eating you gotta get thin so that someone offers Pooh delicious honey rabbit goes and takes it from Pooh and is like you can't have this just rude i would never i want to tell you something about eric carl who recently passed and was the author of the hungry caterpillar uh, it came out around the time that he passed that um, he, in fact, when he wrote The Hungry Caterpillar, a lot of you are parents and will be familiar with the book. Um, on Monday, he ate an apple. Tuesday, two oranges. Wednesday, three pears. A uh, cupcake, not a muffin. There were some strawberries. There were some... Then he has a page where he eats 
a pickle, chocolate cake, a cupcake, a lollipop, a sausage, a, you know, a bunch of, as Koa would call it, party foods. And he eats the shit For out of caring, everything. everyday foods. But then you turn the page and it says, well, then he had a tummy ache. So then he chilled out, he ate through one nice green leaf, and he felt better. Now, it came out that Eric Carle actually said, I submitted this book, and the Very Hungry Caterpillar ate all this party food, and then made a cocoon. He was eating because he was extremely hungry, and he gave his body what it needed to get big and to make this cocoon and to feel uh, sustained. And yeah. he said, but... When I brought it in, it's a kid's book, and they said, he can't eat all this party food and there's no consequences. He's got to have a tummy ache. And then he's got to eat some salad. And he said, and that was against my wishes. And so I've always felt weird about that book because I never really wanted him to have this tummy ache and then have to eat a salad. Like, that's beside the point. He ate what he felt he needed. Wow. Boom. As my old acting teacher would say, boom. Yeah, incredible, right? Incredible. I also, you know, eat the damn cupcake. Eat the damn food. I mean, I life is too short. Get off the of social media. That you know what? Actually, if you want to turn into a butterfly, <gasps> you've this is got a moment. Eat the cupcake. Wait, this is a moment. This is a moment that we're having. This is a ha- aha moment. Okay. I've been home the last two days, mm-hmm. and my rule is is I can go on social media with I have Wi Fi. Oh shoot! So you've been going. I've been going on social media. That's, That's why, why I feel, feel like depressed. Shit. That's why I feel sad. You, bing you bong. idiot. You can call me an idiot. I was, no, I'm going to go bing you, bong. You went like this. Eat bing bong. You bing bong. You it bing bong. It's, yeah. You bing bong. <laughs> I figured it the fuck out. I do that with my wow. kids. I'm like, you mother. Herb no, I'm fruit. the mother. Sorry. They're got the mother confused. fruit. They're the mother fruit. You, you mother the, you fruit. mother's fruit. That's a good one. You mother's spawn that I love. <laughs> you mother fruit. Mother fruit. Well, the fruit of your loins. I don't think you should be so hard on yourself. I think, um, and I don't think you should go on social media. And I think, um, I think that's the big thing. I drink should've... your fucking eggnog cocktail that I made you. It's gorgeous, folks. It's gorgeous. Did a little dash of pumpkin pie spice across the top. Because why not? Problem was, as Matt pointed out, you wanted it to gather and then it dispersed. But I don't mind it. It's really pretty. Okay. All right. Um, what else? Your parents were here, and that was really fun. Wait, but Quinn and I both had parental visits. Parental units. Parental units folks. visits. I saw Girl from the North Country. You mm-hmm. saw American Utopia. Oh, my God. I got to tell you, American Utopia. First of all, David Byrne is a living legend and rocks it. And I cannot believe his age because he owns that stage. And it's How really old is he? incredible. He's like 70. God, but he's fucking like, bless. I y- want to be you there. You can't imagine. Oh, God, it's so theatrical. It's so moving, and it's so fun. It's everything, and I wanted Koa to be there so badly because it felt truly, it was one of those shows that the whole time, like, my, I'm glad I was wearing a mask because I was smiling so much the whole time that my face kind of started to hurt. Yeah. It felt so wholesome, if that makes and sense. joyous. Like, it felt honest, truthful, there are moments where you're watching people play instruments and dance in a way that's like, they aren't, I mean, God, how can I put this? It's almost like a lot of them are not professional dancers. They're just people with good rhythm and vibes feeling the music that they're playing. Oh, that's my favorite type of dance. And doing like that's my favorite really type cute of dance. choreography together. And it felt like you were in a living room almost where you were like, these are people 
and I shouldn't be watching. They're just having so much fun. And that's not to say it's sloppy. It's actually done with a lot of precision. But no, there's but that's something what you so want. pure about yeah. it. It does not feel it's uh, not forced. like choreography it's not, or something. Yeah. That's like why, I mean, listen, I love a choreography. Don't get me wrong. Show me Beyonce's Super Bowl video. I don't need a cup of coffee. I'm energized for the rest of the year, frankly. Um, but I, I love Robin. Mm-hmm. One name Robin, because she, when she's on stage watching her perform, the music just moves through her and lets her body move. It's choreographed, I'm sure, a little bit, but it feels so natural. Like there's something joyous and being in your body and feeling the music is just like really exciting. Yeah. And everybody, I bet, had a lot of fun on stage, which translates to having fun in the audience. Just so great. And it was really good to see my dad. And the week before my mom came and the kids, like, were so, so happy that she was here and just, like, wanted to be on her body constantly. And it's always just, like, having your mom in town is, like, the best. I just can't believe I don't live near them sometimes. I'm like, what were you thinking? Yeah, it is. I mean, I... My parents just left, and I feel like, yeah, I miss them. I'm going to see them in five days, and Mm -hmm. I miss them. I miss Mm -hmm. hanging out with them. It's just so fun to... You know what it is? It's fun to feel like a kid again. It's fun to feel taken care of. I get that. That, I think, is the biggest thing. And then also, we went to, like, Christmas on crack, right? Like, we went to Rockefeller Center. We went to the Saks Windows, like... Yeah, I just love, I love the holidays. I'm also sad about the holidays. And I think the older you get, it's like a birthday. It's how I feel about birthdays, mm. but it's a whole season long. But I so love sad at your birthdays, birthday this year. but I'm so sad. I get sad at my birthday. Mm-hmm. I think it's like you, this feeling of expectation and melancholy and feeling childlike joy and wonderment. But being an adult and real, you know, it's really a, it's really a fascinating moment in time. But happy to be sharing it with you. And happy to have this eggnog. By the way, you're yes. listening to Truly Darkly Green Bling. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Abama. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Oh, Merry it's Christmas. It's not at all a holiday for them. No, it's not. Um, you guys, just so you know, it is for us. So um, happy holidays. Yes. Oh, you know what I'm going to totally do this year? you got to help me plan it. I'm planning it around your schedule. i got to make sure you're there and you're helping me throw this. Well, you ready for of, this? Yeah. Omicron, um, um, oh God, Adam will kill me if I don't say it right. Omicron, you know what? We might have to cut this whole part out because if we say this wrong, Adam is going to lose his mind. Shut up. He was like having a drink with me the other night, just laying into the fact that people cannot pronounce this word and that it's been a part of the Greek alphabet since the... Omicron. Omicron. Fine. Omicron pending... It would yeah. be really great in January to have a small, you know, not when I say a party, you know what I mean. Very small thing. The theme would be January blues and I would play blues music mm. and we would all have to wear blue. Yeah. Unlike a white party, like a blue party. And I, uh, I would have a blue themed uh, cuisine. Blue crab, blue cheese. Yes. Yes. Cordon bleu. You're, you're totally, you're getting, I'm what I, you're picking it up right away. You're a genius. <laughs> And then we could do, I don't want to do blue curacao, but there's got to be some, like, blue, blue drink we could we do. We could. I don't want blue curacao. You like, know what? I, I just want, have like, food coloring. We can we'll make, do food we coloring. We can make, like, martinis and put some That's what fucking I want. blue That's drops what I want. in them. Like, I'll make a blue baked brie. We could have white wine and put a little blue dye in it. Maybe it'll be too green, then. <laughs> no, no, no. But... We'll do green plus, because the wine is yellow. So if you do green, it'll make a nice blue. Frankly, what are we doing? green and yellow makes blue, by the way. You might want to... Wait, re-in... green and yellow? Yeah. Quinn. 
Makes blue? Yes. No. Blue and yellow makes green. I don't think green and yellow makes blue. Okay, and I'm I looking think, that up. All right, Hold look on. it up. Oh, my God, I'm I looking love it up. Carrie's, like, fact-checking me today, and it's, you know what? I live for it. I want you to follow me around. Do green and yellow make blue? What color comes from green and yellow? Chartreuse. How did I not know? Wait, is it? No. It's not a chartreuse party, bitch. No. What's a fucking Fuck. blue party? Did red I just and... rock your world? Wait, I'm so... But then this one is saying red and blue make indigo, and we all know that makes purple. That's... No. If you can find me something that says yellow and green make blue, I will eat my goddamn hat. <laughs> <laughs> I really do think yellow and green make blue. Am I wrong, dear readers? Wait, Am I wrong? Call in, folks. We can be reached at... <laughs> TrulyDarklyCreepily at gmail.com. Jesus Christ. Do... I don't even know anymore. I don't know. I feel like um, you're you're in the right state of mind to tell a story. Do you think it's pigment or do you think it's light? <laughs> <laughs> it's a valid question. Okay. Oh, shit. Can we do... Patreon? Patreon? Yeah, for sure. I'm feeling depressed. Let's go. Let's name names. Let's name names. First of all, just a random shout out to Brisbane. Brisbane. A lot of Brisbane. you are listening. I think a lot Brisbane. of you are either listening to us in Brisbane or one of you is oh. listening to us a lot. It's one or the other. Wait, there's, <laughs> we have a say. listener in Brisbane. I thought that was the name of a Patreon. No, no. Brisbane. Uh, just general, like, I'm a, I'm doing, like, a concert hall shout out where I'm like, hey, Brisbane. You know, like, that kind <laughs> Hello, of thing. Hello, Cleveland. Hello, Brisbane. Hello, Brisbane. <laughs> um, and now for the shout out. Elena. 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 I like to lay with Elena because I'm in love with Elena. Yep. Yep. Elena. Elena. We love, love Elena. Elena. That doesn't make you happy, man. I don't know. You love to lay with Elena because you love her? I want to be very clear. Wow. You ever don't love me, you don't want to lay with me. That's so rude. Elena, get one up on me. What about Brigitte? Brigitte, is that your name? We don't know. Cause there's a question I that mark. Was your friend. Oh, Birgit. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been so mad if we did this song and did her name wrong and you know her. Oh, Jesus. Quinn announces the Patreon and I don't know. Birgit, Birgit. Sponsorships through 
Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to podcast sponsorship opportunities. And what we love about Podcorn is that there's no middleman. You can be a podcast of any size to be on the platform. They're not snobby. You can get on there. You can set your own rates. You can collaborate with brands that you want to collaborate with. And Podcorn supports you every step. And they guarantee that you're going to be protected and compensated for the work that you do. Their marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when you decide to monetize. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can sign up for Podcorn today and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. And we just want to thank Podcorn so much. If it wasn't for Podcorn, we wouldn't have had the courage to try to take our podcast to this next level. And we're really happy that we did. So thanks, Podcorn. We love you. I love to sit and laugh with you, but all the games that we usually play, they're played out. I mean, pardon the pun, they're played out. We need a new one. I have them like memorized at this point. They don't make me laugh. I need a new party game. So I found one. (gasps) Are you ready for this? I'm so ready. Okay. It's called Pay the Price. The rules of the game are simple. You take turns answering trivia questions. And if you get a question right, you keep the card. If you answer wrong, you get a consequence card. (gasps) And you have to do some like really crazy dare. Oh, amazing. It's like dare if you get it wrong. I I think games are missing consequences, frankly. I want more games with funnier consequences for getting it wrong. And I think this is it. Yes. Um, So, and it's like a thing where... Brains are valued with the trivia, but bravery is valued with the consequence. <gasps> oh, I love that. So you don't have to necessarily be the most trivia prone no, to be no. successful at this game. You just have to be either you have to be either smart or really brave or both. Ideally, I would. L- let's play. OK, so what you want to do then is <gasps> go to pay thepricegame.com. You can get a copy. If you guys use the promo code TDC at checkout, you'll get 20 percent off. It's so fun. It's hilarious. You were saying that it's a great host gift, and I couldn't agree more. The best thing about having cards like this trivia is you can bring it and have drinks around the table, and you don't have to set up a board game. So play, have fun, and please let us know what crazy things you do. (sighs) Thanks to our sponsors. We're happy to be here. Okay, so I'm doing this story of the South Korean seawall fairy tragedy. It was suggested by, on our website, from Cam. One of our readers. Great. I got this information from the New Yorker, Wikipedia, New York Times, France 24. So the Seawall Ferry is what it's called, and they're going from Incheon to Jeju in South Korea. So this boat, we're already we're already at problems with the boat. You know, the story doesn't end well. It's like not dissimilar when we start a story about like a serial killer and we're like they had a really bad upbringing it's like this but with a boat the mm-hmm. boat was purchased when it was the boat had a really bad upbringing the boat had a really bad upbringing abusive it was abusive boat builders. yeah and it was greed it was just complete fucking greed so this boat it was purchased by this buyer when it was 18 years into its life um and it's not in great shape right so At the time, the person buys this boat and is like, I want to make more money on it, so I'm going to do some illegal modifications to it. They had built, like, two more decks of passenger space, and they built more cargo space. Now, a boat is not like a house in addition. Like, this thing has to float and be steered and ride, right? So adding weight to it 
adjusts the situation, right? So the weight went from carrying 239 tons to like 6,500 Oh. Tons, like a crazy amount. And the passenger capacity went from 116 to 956 people. Phew. So the modifications made it more lucrative because it could take more cargo, it could take more people, but it totally affects the center of gravity and the left right imbalance of the boat. So the boat makes three round trips a week on this path from Incheon to Jeju. And a one-way trip there is 13 and a half hours. So it's like a trek on this ferry, right? And on ferries, they have cars, cargo, they ship everything. So this this is a workhorse, if you will. The ship leaves April 15th, 2014 at 9 p.m. It was supposed to leave a little earlier, but the it was a little foggy. It wasn't a good situation, so they waited until 9 p.m. They start their ride. They start their journey. When it left, it is carrying 442 passengers... 33 crew members, and over 2,100 tons of cargo. Out of the 475 passengers, there are 325 high school students from Danwon High School. Mm -hmm. They're on like a field trip. Apparently, on this boat with the cargo, the maximum capacity of the the cargo was a little under 1,000. They have over twice that Mm -hmm. in the cargo. Apparently, recently, the owner of the ship had to train the crew. The crew had, you know, part-time people. It wasn't like a consistent crew. Apparently, I read this in one location. I read this in one location was that the budget for training the safety to the crew was a U.S. $2, and the owner purchased a piece of paper. That was, like, the safety training. So, like, not a good situation. The next, yeah, I'm trying to think what $2 buys you. A printer. I know. It buys you three pages to print at a right. local print with me at a local cafe near your home. So April 16th, it's 8.20 in the morning. They've been driving for like 12. They've been on the boat for like 12 hours at this point, And they're about to go through this channel. They have to change from autopilot to manual steering. The wind is blowing in the channel. It's not super rocky, but they're just navigating this smaller channel. At 8.27, they're okay, but there's some strong undercurrents happening in the channel. Breakfast is being served, and people are out and about the boat socializing, smoking on the decks, but people are normal. They're not seeing anything going on. At one point, the captain is telling the first mate or whoever is driving the boat that they need to increase they're right turning by like five degrees. Let's say it's like 135 degrees to 140 degrees just to like maneuver out of this channel. She turns the boat. She feels the boat tipping. She tries to correct it by turning it the other way. It is out of the water. She cannot turn. The cargo that's not secured properly starts to slide towards the right side. Making it tip more. Making it tip more. At 8.48, two minutes after she's instructed to turn the boat, the boat starts to tilt. At 8.49, the boat begins capsizing. Okay. They call for rescue three minutes later. There is footage from the ship where you hear the captain over the loudspeaker say, stay put, stay put, everyone stay put, it's dangerous if you move. I mean, think about it, right? The boat is tipping, they don't want people 
to move because they don't want to affect the weight. However, the cargo in the bottom of the boat is already going and affecting the tilting of the boat. There's footage on people's phones saying, they're tasking us to stay, they're feeling the tilt. There's footage on a woman's phone of a girl, a high school student saying, you know, they're telling us to stay still, but there was a subway incident recently where if people didn't, the people who didn't listen survived. But all the people are staying still for the most part, especially the high school students who are told to listen to authority. A student at the same time calls 911 on their phone or their version of 911. Mm-hmm. And that gets to the dispatcher, that gets to the patrol, they hear about it that way, and they start to send rescue ships out. So people are staying still. At that point, people are told to put on their life vests and stay still. At this point, it's like nine, what time is it? It's about like nine o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. This started tipping like 12 minutes prior. It's happening pretty quickly. They start to send rescue boats out towards the ferry and they start to hear that things are not going great at 9 23 the passengers are told to put on life jackets however at this point the speaker system in the boat stops fully working so some people don't hear that they need to put life vests on Mm -hmm. so at this point the crew is instructed to go around and make sure everybody has life jackets at 9 25 a rescue ship comes and is like, hey, Captain, you have enough information. Should you evacuate the ship? We don't have enough information. Like, what's your next plan? He says everybody still needs to stay put. Hmm. Five minutes later, he then says to everyone to evacuate the ship. However, people can't hear because there's no speaker system. The electricity is now going out. By 9.37, when the boats start to arrive, people have not jumped in the water. People are still waiting on the boat, waiting instruction as to what's happening. At 9.38, communication is cut out. At 9.41, people start panicking, and about 150 or 160 passengers jump out of a window as it's capsizing. They are rescued by commercial boats and fishing boats. At 9.47, the rescue boats are there, helicopters are there. They're kind of sitting, they don't know what to do, they don't know how to get people off the boat. The captain is rescued from the boat. He does not inform everyone that they need to leave the ship because the broadcast systeming is down, so he's not ensuring that people know to get off the fucking boat. He's just leaving. He's just fucking leaving. The crew... Like, the first mates, a bunch of the crew and the captain are some of the first people rescued. Not a good look. you got to really? do the Titanic move. The kids are calling their parents. The parents are going, listen to your teachers. Listen to the people in charge. Stay still. They did an interview with the parents saying, it's the biggest regret I've ever made in my life. What could they have told them to do? They weren't there. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. No. What, you would say trust the people in charge, right? Kids at 9.56, kids are texting their parents. Mom, dad, the ship has tilted a lot. Love you. 10.09, don't worry, I'm wearing a life jacket and holding a rail. 10.17, it's tilting again, mom and dad. It's tilting. I love you. 
The ship starts to fully tip, water's rushing in. A guy talks about being on the deck at the time and seeing water rushing underneath him. He gets down, he's pulling into the water, trying to grab anything and pulling it out. He grabs a young girl, she hugs him, they get away, they get out of there. There are no instructions, it's complete chaos. There are people still in the ship as it is tilting. At 10.28, the boat is upside down. At 11.18, only the, the stern is completely capsized. By 1.03, the ship is completely submerged. There are people still in the boat. Mm. At that time, search and rescue is telling people, we got everyone out of the boat. Everyone's okay. Everyone escaped. That is absolutely not true. There are notes sent to the parents of the high school students saying, all of the people from Danwon High School have been saved. That is not true. They just kept reporting the situation and not doing anything. At 5.35 p.m., parents still don't know if their kids are okay. They've heard that the school, that they survived, mm-hmm. but they've heard no other word otherwise. The boat's upside down. They know kids are missing. They're counting survivors, and they're realizing, fuck, a lot of people are missing. April 17th, the next day, there are divers on call being like, hey, maybe there are air pockets in this ferry that we can dive in and save people, right? When a boat is capsized, there's air pockets. It didn't all get full. Okay. So they have a diver go down and put an air pipe in in the hopes that it can pump water in or out. I don't know the mechanics of it. Yeah, yeah. The diver got so freaked out and didn't know where to put it. He just, like, put it in the in the in like near the boat the president of south korea is there they say it's a successful mission that everything was going according to plan oh my god the boat ends up fucking sinking over the next three months civilian divers tried to recover bodies and belongings of the victims one diver alone collected 23 to 30 bodies oh my god no government divers were skilled enough to go that deep He says the scenes that he saw were horrifying and have stayed in his mind. There were students in a twin room huddled together to survive. Divers are only supposed to dive once a day. These divers would go four or five times down underwater. In total, out of the 475 passengers, 299 people died on board. (gasps) Oh my God, I was not expecting you to say that many. That's what's insane is the amount of information and not telling family. More than half. Oh, so horrible. Two rescue divers died in the process of trying to recover people, and five emergency workers also died. Out of the 299 people that died on board, 250 were high school students. That whole, oh, wow. They were just listening to the instructions. They were just listening to the instructions. That's so sad. Of the 172 people that survived, including the vice principal from Danwon High School, he ended up killing himself later. So he's count he he's not counted as a survivor, right? Because he died from related causes. Oh. And think about this: the captain left the ship. And didn't make sure everybody knew to leave. Mm-hmm. 
May 15, 2014, the captain and three crew members were charged with murder, and 11 crew members were indicted for abandoning ship. An arrest warrant was issued for the owner of the ferry who did all those illegal modifications mm-hmm. and stuff, but they couldn't find him. They ended up finding his remains in July nearby, nearby Seoul. Mm-hmm. July 10th, 2014, that's how long they were working on trying to recover bodies. The government tells them to stop all search operations. A diver who was helping recover from the scene ended up killing himself two years later as well. Like, it's not just the people, obviously, that died. It's it's the, like, massive impact of a tragedy like this. Well, when you think of all those kids, you think of... How, you think of one kid dying and how impact how much that would impact their family to lose a kid and a community and then you realize that happened to 250 In the families same high school and you've you have kids who are calling their parents right up until that happened it's tilting i love you i had a life jacket i'm holding onto the rail listen to the people in charge do what they tell you to do all the people who i don't want to say all the people but most of the people who jumped off the ship who were didn't the listen. people in charge? What'd you say? They were the people in charge. Left the ship, right? Yeah. So what was interesting about this disaster was it really called into question this um, culture of obedience, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this this culture of obedience killed these people. Had these people probably followed their instincts, they would have gotten off the fucking ship in their life jackets and swam until rescue boats came. Oh my God, it's so hard to know because it's one of those things where you get what what you then hear about things where people are trampled to death because there's there's no one in control. You just did that story. Right, right. And it's like, that's why it's hard to have like a crisp, clear takeaway on it because you're like... Totally. Uh, leave it to your instincts. People get trampled to death. Uh, and you, if you follow directions, you yeah. sink in a ship. It's, uh, I don't fucking know, man. I don't either. I mean, I could imagine if Perfect it's tilting, storm. you probably don't want to move, right? There is that thing of like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. If everybody were to move, it would have capsized quicker. I, I mean, I don't know. There was such a massive loss of life. 299 people died, right? Or 299 passengers died. 172 survived. That's it. And think about it. I told you about 150 to 160 people jumped off at mm-hmm. once. Like there was a massive... Those are the majority of the survivors. Those are the people that lived. Yeah. So there's this crate. There's this obviously investigation as to what happened. This is a huge tragedy in South Korea. Mm-hmm. It has become a political nightmare. It is called into question the president at the time. What did she know? Why wasn't she more active? And... It was like a lot of the time she was like, oh, I didn't know what was going on. And so their Congress have like this crazy investigation into what happened because people want fucking answers. Mm-hmm. There are children that are dead. Yeah. Um, there's reports that the crew was drinking beer while the ship was capsizing. The ferry's construction made it almost impossible that there was any air pockets in the sh- and they knew that. The government knew that there wouldn't be air pockets, yet they gave this hope that there was. And they had this mission with the president in that they were going to put this air pipe in and do that. And they, that all was failed, and they claimed it was a success. They told everyone that they got all all of the people off the ship, and they that was just wrong. They didn't mm-hmm. have all that information. It's mm-hmm. just like this failure of rescue efforts. Who These rescue boats would come, and they're like, 
we're charged with the rescue plan, but we don't have any idea what to do. We don't know what to do. So nobody was like taking charge and saying what to do. It was just like chaos. It felt like there was chaos all around this ferry, but the people on the boat Mm -hmm. were trusting that all these people were going to save them. (laughs) It was like chaos everywhere, but on the boat, it feels like, because everybody was just listening to orders. The captain is charged with homicide, fleeing um, and abandoning the ship and negligence. He gets a life sentence in jail. The chief engineer gets about 10 years and 13 other crew members were charged and found guilty and they got ranging between 18 months and 12 years in prison. The president obviously comes under complete scrutiny, intense scrutiny, and she's called to be impeached. The court ends up expelling her from office because she's found guilty of corruption, blacklisting, and misuse of power. Two weeks after she's removed from office, the president, they begin to salvage the Sewell Ferry. That's three years after the sinking. So they haven't touched the wreckage for Mm -hmm. three years. Mm -hmm. But they managed to get the boat off the floor and bring it into shore Mm -hmm. and just search for anything. They find hundreds of cell phones. They find shoes. They find, and they're cleaning it and using it as evidence and also valuable things that families will want. They would want the belongings of their loved ones that they lost to see last videos, last calls, whatever is on these phones. These parents lost their kids in this massive fairy tragedy. And so they become their advocates and looking for answers. And they become a huge political force Mm -hmm. in South Korea at the time. And so they see the boat coming in, but it's blocked from them. And they're locked out. And they're like, you kept things from us. What are you hiding? Show us the boat. This is like a way that they could help bring peace to their child's memory of getting this boat back in and getting all these questions answered. They see police who are blocking them from seeing the boat, but you see these police officers crying as the boat is coming in. This affected the entire nation. And what's crazy is I read this article about what's been happening since, and it's, of course, they say that there should be increased legislation to protect people's safety in these massive ferries and and putting people over profits Mm -hmm. when they're finding now that it's still profits over people. Mm -hmm. There's this huge political movement of the seawall generation where these this like culture of obedience is really being called into question and who do you trust as a as a as an authority figure and a lot of these young people who are raised with this tragedy in their lifetime they're running for office they're trying to change the politics and make it so that they have more of a say and that they're challenging sort of the status quo of what that culture of obedience is But it's a horrible tragedy. It's so scary. When you read about it and read that these kids are hearing stay still, stay still, and you see videos of them being like... We were just talking about having our parents in town and why we like it because it feels like um, even when you're a grown-up, you like that feeling of someone kind of being the boss that isn't you and you feeling safe. Um, And it's so sad to think that these kids felt like this grown-up is telling me to do this. If I follow directions, I'll be safe. Um, right, Mom? I think it's worth noting that the 172 people that survived, they survived, but they're not okay. They're not okay either, right? <laughs> of it's not. like the trauma that exists from surviving that and so much your bigger than these not, numbers. Ugh, it just breaks your fucking heart. That's the story of the Seawall Ferry tragedy in South Korea. Thank you, Cam, for that suggestion. It was bone chilling. Thanks research. for telling it.
And now, a word from our sponsors. Carrie. Quinlan. I want to tell you about Hydronique Hydration. Basically, what happened was that there was a frontline healthcare worker who was getting a bunch of headaches during the pandemic. And there was this research study that showed that up to 81% of frontline healthcare workers get new headaches, and it's because of their PPE. It's because of like the face masks and the shields. It prevents them from eating and drinking properly during their job. And everybody starts to feel like shit, like just tired, dehydrated. So the founder's like, okay, we need a really quick drink that has all the vitamins, the the minerals, no sugar, keto-friendly, healthy, but everything on the market isn't what I want. So I'm going to create my own thing. And thus was born Hydronique Hydration. Remind me something. What was your um, resolution this year? To drink more water. And so instead, I'm just going to drink Hydronique Hydration. Go ahead and get it. You can visit their website at www.hydroniquehydration.com and I will spell that. It's www.h-y-d-r-o-n-i-q-u-e hydration.com or just search Hydronique Hydration on Amazon and they are currently offering a $10 discount coupon at checkout for this next week. So we'll put the link in our bio. Go for it. Stay hydrated. Thank you to our frontline workers. We love supporting this work as well because of all the amazing work that you do for us. So hydroniquehydration.com. Get yours. What do extraterrestrial radio signals and a mushroom in Texas have in common? They're both from fun guys. <laughs> <laughs> What's a number station and why is it so spine tinglingly creepy? If you want to know the answers to these questions, I suggest you listen to the podcast Midnight Facts. Or insomnia. We love a rhyming title that we have in common. It's these two really funny guys, Shane and Duncan, and they get together similarly like we do. They're pals and they chat everything weird the way we do. So, I mean, I think if you love us, you're going to love them. They have an episode that talks about why we wear costumes on Halloween. I want to know that. I do too. They do all kinds of weird deep dives into strange things. They talk about personality tests. <gasps> they talk about... Mm, if I have a personality, do you think they'll test that? <laughs> they'll see if you have a personality. <laughs> they'll see if you're alive. They talk about the history of weddings. Something I would love to learn more about. <laughs> Frankly, I'm looking at where my future is and I got questions. If any of this sounds interesting and it should, go to Midnight Facts for Insomniacs and find it wherever podcasts are played. Creature Report. Creature, Creature Report. Back. Creature Report. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the story <laughs> of Stephen Russo. My Sources are Patch, CBS, The Morning Call, and Butler Eagle, and something called, I think it's TribLiv, or, yeah. Wait, is this take place in um, Indiana? Jackson Township, Butler County. No, no, it's Pennsylvania. Ah, yes. You mean the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) I do love that they're like, we're not a state, we're a fucking Commonwealth, and there's something about it that I'm like, yeah, you go, PA. Take your space. Yeah, I don't know. I'm into it, you know? All right. I think, like, everybody needs to settle down. (laughs) Stephen Russo is 48 years old. He's a popular uh, teacher 
at a high school. He teaches, and you, listen, it's important I said popular because he teaches statistics and calculus. Who the fuck wants to learn about that? You know, there is a short of good math teachers. And you know, it sounds like he was one of them. You know what he did? But he how did, popular was he? You know what I mean? He would use like sports stuff to do it. So like, oh my God, the he kids was like an him. English teacher. who's like, we're learning Shakespeare. Let's talk about rap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> She's like the Shakespeare. It's kind of like hip hop. Completely. <laughs> I had a That's teacher him. like that. I'm oh my sure. god! So so did I. And we love you. Sometimes it Thank worked. For sometimes trying. it didn't. And even when it didn't, we love you for we trying. We love you for trying. Thank um, you. Yeah. So he's he's got two kids. So he had been with his wife twenty four years. Their marriage ended. Now he's with Heidi. Heidi's this teacher, and they've just moved in together pretty recently. One day, Stephen Russo comes home uh, for lunch during a school day, and there's an intruder in the home. And the, he startles this person, I think. They run out of the house, and he's like, let me see what they took. The only thing that's missing, Heidi's cat. Oh, like broken and stole the damn cat or maybe just accidentally let the cat out. Not clear, but she really loves her cat. So bummer. So they're having a weird day as it is, right? They're a little on edge. She's like, my cat, this sucks. Next day, at her lunch period, Heidi texts Steven. He doesn't text back, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but. You know, when you know somebody's text habits, she was just like, I always that get was about, weird. Yeah. I get something back right away. I don't like I didn't get anything back. Then her neighbor texts her <laughs> and says, there's like police helicopters in the neighborhood. They're by your house. Something weird's going on. So oh, she no. goes to the principal and is like, can somebody watch my class? I think something weird is going on at my house. I got to go check it out. And she fucking speeds her ass to her house to see she what the fuck's going on. Wrong. She just knows, yeah. And it's that feeling where, like, she turns to go up her block and there's a million police cars. Oh, that feeling. I can't imagine. She runs out of her car and there's police by her door. And she just starts screaming, where's Steve? And one of the policemen says, Stephen Russo is dead. <sighs> So she gets questioned by the police and she's like, I have a thought on who did this. Her ex? Yeah. Her, stole a cat. It's not really. Okay. Yeah, it is her ex. His name is Richard Lazinski and she had been dating them kind of at the same time and had broken it off with Richard. Yeah. The police are like, here's what we know. Stephen was shot in the side of his head with a small caliber gun. He was killed. This is so garbage. The day before Thanksgiving. And it was his daughter that found him dead. No. The home was pretty much intact. Like, remember, there had been an intruder the day before. Probably the same person. Again, nothing stolen. It was um, not, you know, torn apart or anything. There was like a flat screen TV. There was stuff that wouldn't have been that hard to take that was there. His wallet was still there. Basically, Heidi's like, I think it was 
this guy, Lazinski, he seemed really upset when I broke it off with him. He sent me a text message that said, you destroyed me. And so the police are like, okay, okay, this is good evidence. It does seem like it was obviously something personal, so we're going to start looking into it. And five months after this murder, they are still looking for clues. They're going back to the scene of the crime. They're looking in the area to see if there's anything, any evidence that was ditched. They ask people in the area, do you have any information? They're like, what do you canvassing and please tell us anything you saw out of the ordinary well it seems like it was like they know who it was but they just don't have any evidence connecting this person to the scene of the crime yeah i bet he has an alibi well i'll tell you whatever so they they start looking for evidence they look for fucking two and a half years (gasps) so it's not i need you to understand the turnaround on like them figuring this out even though i just told you everything is like pretty crazy but in that time they figure out things like equipped police department for this type of crime too i mean so they figure out that lazinski had gotten on his steven's calendar page through the seneca valley school district website which is crazy and like why would he need to do that so that's weird they do get video surveillance that's from the log cabin inn which was really close to steven and heidi's house and it shows a guy that looks like it could be lazinski walking towards steven's house on the day of the burglary and on the following day same guy when the murder happened same guy also, so they start looking into him and being like, who is this guy? And he has a weird fucking past. In 1994, he was convicted of an armed robbery of a post office. Who the fuck robs a post office? So that's a federal crime, you yep. ding dong. Oh, yeah. He served time in federal prison. Jesus. And then he became fuck with a the jailhouse informant um, oh, because they were investigating a triple murder. And he was like getting stuff from the inside. He was married. He got arrested because he attacked his wife and stepson with a hammer and a knife, which sounds like I'm very surprised they're alive. That sounds crazy. Well, he was like being crazy with a knife. And then before the police came to stop everything, he actually like cut himself like face off style. So just a few days after this is crazy. They couldn't get him on this a few days after. Uh, Stephen Russo was killed. Lazinski texts Heidi and says, did you point the finger at me, re-Steve? <laughs> is that the most annoying text you've ever heard? Annoying is a word for it, but I'm sorry, re-Steve yes. is really re, funny. Steve. So formal. So fucking crazy. So she's like, you guys, put like wire me. I will talk to this guy. He's nuts. In one of their talks, he says to her, if you're asking me to prove to you to rule me out, Heidi, I'm sorry, I can't. And then she says to him in a different conversation, did he suffer? Did you fuck with him before you killed him? And Lazinski said, none, zero. And she says, how are you sure of that? And he wrote back, how do you think? So he's like all but completely admitting it. And there's this is two and a half believe. years. This is two and a half years after. Isn't that nuts? God. I so, do think like Law and Order definitely shades are 
timeline of these yeah, situations. Yeah, oh, totally. So they're like, they're closing in on him, it sounds like, and they had but a if few I were forensic her, be, If tests. I were her, I'd be so fucking afraid <sighs> of know, him. I like, know, This is someone who's clearly his unhinged. Family? Oh my God. So they're doing um, some forensic tests that they're waiting on, and they're like, we're going to get this guy. And then it's June 27th, 2013, and he dies because of a blast that kills him from a homemade explosive device. Get the fuck out of here. To so it like he blasts was making him in his a head fucking and neck. bomb. Wait, but me like to it's what's unclear about it is it seems like it might have been strapped to like his head. It was to his head and neck. And so they're like, this is a suicide. But then another person's like, well, he definitely killed himself. It's not really clear if it was by accident or not. He was definitely building some kind of bomb in his house, and he definitely died. We don't know his intention. We don't know we if don't that know bomb if it was, was accident meant or for someone, someone else. else. Yeah. So, who the fuck knows? And after his death, Heidi does an interview, and she basically says, like, I knew this guy killed Stephen, and he's a sociopath, and he's a fucking monster. And... The police are like, don't worry, don't worry, guys. The investigation didn't end just because he died. We're going to totally, like, prove he's the one. And we're really close to solving this. We're going to do the tests. But it's just there's no comfort for the family, Stephen's family or, yeah, at all. Yeah, because there's no way he can... Because he's not paying for the fucking crime. They he wanted got a, a trial. They yes. wanted closure. And they didn't get any. And there's just... There's so much that they feel like they don't know. And his brother said, his brother said, I don't know if you get any closure. He's deceased and you move on. Uh, We know there wasn't any random suspect other than this guy talking about uh, Lazinski, you know, saying like, he's dead. Now we've got to move on. But there was no one else that they ever thought did it besides him. So, well, it's like, yeah, there's, there's still no closure because they're not able, he's not able, he doesn't have his day in court. The family doesn't get to look at him and give their victim statements. He's not proven in the court of law. So, like, that, what he says of, like, this is the only suspect feels so incomplete and so unfinished and so sad. Because it's like, you see, you, the way he said it, if you, like, how you told it was like, they have no other suspects. It feels like. Of course, there's going to be that lingering doubt in their mind. Was it him, you mean? Of course. Yeah, it was him. I mean, it was him. But yeah, it's just, um, what a garbage can, huh? Really dumpster fire vibes. Total. It feels like authority failed in both of our stories. The eggnog didn't fail. (laughs) I, I need another, maybe, after all that. Yeah, you should. We should. We deserve it. We deserve it. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for... I see you out there. I see you guys in murder rooms, I think they're called, shouting us out. And we're getting the reviews that are coming in, the the kind reviews you're leaving. And I got to tell you, every time any of you reach out to us in any form to tell us that you like the podcast, it's our everything. You complete us. It's true. Show us the money. (laughs) (laughs) The human head weighs eight pounds. (laughs) 